In Focus is brought to you in association with the Government of Japan. Japan, sharing tomorrow. Hello and welcome to a brand new series of In Focus, the programme that examines Japan and its role as a global leader in improving cities and societies. Across the next few episodes, we'll be taking a look at the groundbreaking ideas coming out of Japan within the realms of technology, fashion, environmentalism and energy, all helping to fix global challenges. From innovative techniques for clothes manufacturing to the country's efforts to clean up its oceans, we'll be meeting all sorts of unique thinkers, scientists, designers and inventors who have the potential to change the way that Japan and the rest of the world work towards a bright future. We start our second series with a look at green cities. Across Japan, there are all sorts of micro-projects developing eco-friendly ways of living in urban spaces. On the programme today, we're going to look at two case studies. A self-sufficient city that's providing energy locally, and another that's creating a green environment to lure back its stalks. And that's where we'll begin. Toyuka is a small city located in the north of Hyogo Prefecture bisected by the Maruyama River. It's known for bag manufacturing and its hot springs, but recently it's become most notable for its marshlands, home to the oriental stork. This endangered breed of stork is a large white bird with black feathered wings, distinguished by red skin around its eye, a black bill and a very loud cackle. Pollution and pesticides in farming contributed to this bird disappearing from Japan in 1971, and Toyuka City is the last place it was seen in the wild. Since then, there's been renewed interest in rehabilitating the city's marshes, rivers and rice fields by the local government and university, and that's allowed storks to return, with the first chick hatching in the wild in 2007. Thirteen years later, and wild storks can be spotted all over these rice fields that dot the region. Yasuhisa Miyashita is from the Oriental White Stork Coexistence Division and explains that a canal system was installed into the rice fields, connecting them to the river. In order to keep these as clean as possible, local farmers have switched to more organic methods of agriculture, keeping the fields as free of pesticides as possible. Clean fields and canals have boosted the biodiversity of the area, providing the storks with plenty of creatures to keep them nourished. Fish, small reptiles and insects. A veritable feast. Yukako Nishigaki works on the Toshima Marsh and points out the nesting towers that were built by locals to help the storks breed. Over there is the stork's artificial nesting tower. The storks gather branches and earth in order to make their nests. And on top there is actually a nest of babies with their mother. In around 10 days, birds will be able to fend for themselves. But right now, the mother and the father bird are taking it in turns to bring them food. The relationship between humans and animals has been key to revitalising this area. Yasuhisa Miyashita. The storks needed to be able to live just like us. 
and so it was kind of a given that we needed to create an environment for them to live in. The town needed to develop, and most of all we needed to focus on nature, as we realised how important it was, and so all our decision-making was very much about trying to take the environment into account as much as possible. Taking the stalk into consideration has changed the way we manufacture, and how industry works here. The project has meant that abandoned farmlands are being developed into rich rice fields. Yoichi Adachi works for the city and farms at the weekend. Once I started working for the city, I was put in charge of this area and realised that this was something incredible and that I wanted to try it myself. Since we don't use any artificial pesticides, we have many more beasts and nutrients compared to normal fields, which means that we can harvest with peace of mind, and I really enjoy that. In the rice fields, our goal is trying to focus on both providing food for the birds and good rice for the people. The organic rice that's harvested here is known as stalk rice. The bird is even emblazoned across the packaging, and it can be sold for a higher price because of its higher quality. A portion of the profits goes back into caring for the surrounding area, and the birds too. And this has caught the eyes of places further afield. In 2017, there were people who wanted to start organic rice fields in Osaka, and they came to Toyuka to see our farming system. There are a lot of people that come here to learn and ask questions about the way we have encouraged the breeding of storks and how to boost a habitat through rice cultivation. And the news is good. As storekeeper Minoru Funakoshi tells us, local stork numbers are up every year and have grown by more than 200%. The project to protect the storks has brought the community together and has created an interest in environmental issues, especially among young people. Uchi Adachi again. If this had only been done by one person, they might have got too tired to keep it going. But since everyone is doing it, there really is a sense of joint effort and it makes it easier. The fact that the rice is then consumed and spread to different areas gives this idea that the overall purpose is being spread as well. And I think it might be a rare and nice opportunity for a prefecture to be working towards one common goal. There are now lots of young people who have more eco-friendly goals, and they're ambitious too. Yeiko Otsubo is a local guide at the Thai Marsh and talks about how these environmentally friendly goals encourage plenty more nature beyond storks too. I think people want to take care of the swamp and nature, which contributes to their own lifestyle. I believe people are happy that the rice fields they abandoned didn't become a mess, but they came back as clean swamps, seeing the deers eating grass, the wild pigs digging in the dirt. Encountering these kinds of events are really eye-opening. It gives them a sense of comfort. And I think that it is all about teamwork and service to the people. The benefits of recovering oriental stalk numbers work both ways. It's not just the flora and fauna that are being given a boost by the residents, but this revived nature is also doing some good for the city. Local businessman Tomoya Yamani runs the Higurashi coffee shop, which has been going since 1930. He's the third generation to take the helm. 
Yamani says that growing up, he never really took notice of the storks. But now that they've been reintroduced to the area and are growing in numbers, they've been great for PR and for bringing in more tourism. Protecting the birds has put Toyuka City on the map. People who are not from here might not understand this, but children are able to admire the birds. If you open the window, there might be a stork there standing outside. That has become quite normal. And when that is the first thing you see in the morning, you can't help but wonder whether something good will happen to you during the day. The bird has become a main priority in the lifestyle here. Traditionally, the oriental stork represents prosperity and longevity. But as our storekeeper Minoru Funakoshi has just alluded to, it's also emblematic of Toyuka City's greener future that will hopefully be protected by generations to come. For the remainder of today's programme, we travel west along Japan's coastline to Tatori Prefecture, where we find Yonago City. What makes this place unique is its energy infrastructure. The area has found multifarious ways to produce its power, from the sun, water and waste, in a collaboration between the city and a company called Local Energy that's making Yonago City a self-sufficient zone. Masaki Mori is Senior Managing Director at Local Energy, which was founded in 2015 with investments from the city and five local companies. Yonago City used to get its energy from elsewhere, but this strategy makes use of solar panels, hydropower and biomass stations. And one advantage of a renewable energy plan devoted to one area is that it meets the needs of that place. Until now, energy companies have been far away, so there hasn't really been a connection between them and the local community. But by having a local energy company, we can see the direct impact is good. You can see where you're getting your energy from, and I think that's very important for the future of this business. The thing with energy and electricity is that there's a difference in the way that it's extracted. Big firms usually win because they have more cost-effective ways of working nationally. But if you construct companies based on the local firm, there is a more specific focus on the area. Right now in Japan, there are about 50 different types of firms and their goals differ. I feel like our way is quite easy and straightforward. And it's not just eco-friendly, but cost-effective too. Before this system was in place, Totori Prefecture was losing around 100 billion yen a year to companies outside the region. Now money is reinvested into the city. Money from energy bills can be used to finance projects within the region, so money is circulated locally and stays in the city. Masaki Ishikawa works for the Yonago City Environmental Policy Division. Working with the Totori Prefectural Government, we are encouraging businesses to use renewable energy under the Renewable Energy Act that's taking place across the country. He notes that there are other economical benefits to this sustainable energy model. The City Hall is also renting the space on roofs of public facilities such as libraries and local schools to renewable energy companies to install solar panels. 
Another advantage of having a nearby energy source is in Japan's efforts in resilience against natural disasters. We've increasingly been seeing torrential rainfalls, massive typhoons, and other disasters that cause electricity blackouts in recent years. We saw a case in Chiba where a local municipality managed to avoid the blackout by using its own microgrid. Our next step is to be self sufficient with facilities such as rechargeable batteries. The Ministry of Environment has just revealed a new project called the Renewable Energy Potential System, or REPOS for short. This shows how sustainable power sources are being used across Japan so that municipal governments can learn about what's available to them and how they might implement similar systems in their own regions. And it's not just local councils that hold the key to Japan's more eco friendly future. Masaki Mori believes that in order to keep things moving forwards, we need to ensure that children learn more about renewable energy too. I think the most noticeable change has been with children. Just like computers, energy will be an area of the world which will expand considerably in times to come. So, when you have these young school children who understand the importance of renewable energy, they will implement that in their future jobs. And the fact that there are more and more seeds planted in their mind is great. With investment from the government and a national goal to make 24% of Japan's energy renewable by 2030, Yonago City is an example of just one model that proves that keeping things local is a boost for the economy as well as the earth. That brings us to the end of today's episode of In Focus. Join us next time when we'll be heading to the city of Kiryu to talk about sustainability and fashion. This programme was produced by me, Holly Fisher, and thanks to Fiona Wilson and Jun Toyofuku in our Tokyo Bureau for their research and interviews. In Focus is a Monocle 24 production brought to you in association with the Government of Japan. 